0: Thank you, Tyler. It's our joy this morning to ask Pastor Lurie come forward and to bring us a message from the Lord, from his heart, to our hearts even this morning. Brother Lori. As you can see, I have my Bible. I have two books. I have about 31 pages of notes, so did you bring your (laughs) rocking chair? (laughs) Uh, Well, we'll try to be as brief as possible, but uh, I think we need to bow once more and ask the Lord to help us. Lord, we just bow in your presence this morning. We thank you again, Lord, that you're in this place. The Bible says so. Where two or three are gathered in your name, there you are in the midst we thank you jesus again for your faithfulness and your love to us we thank you for this body of believers and we pray lord that you will help us today as we endeavor to minister a few thoughts along the line of the body of christ so guard us lord we pray help us to say those things you want said and to leave unsaid what you want unsaid we pray that we will all be Uplifted, encouraged, strengthened in the Lord, and we thank you for it in Jesus name. Amen. want to continue on with what we started last week on the body of Christ, or I should say on the seven uh, similes of the book of Ephesians, and uh, we're going to talk today about the body. I want to read one more passage of Scripture, if you will turn with me again to the book of Ephesians. And we're going to read from the first chapter. We had it read to you from the book of Corinthians because it fit in very well with the passage from Ephesians. But in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 15, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward, who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead, and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and has put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. In all of these similes, we find that believers are united to contain and to reveal and to enjoy God. We become one with Christ in gathering people and administering life and revealing glory, demonstrating the love of God, showing his strength enjoying intimate communion and overcoming the powers of darkness i want us to stop and think this morning what do we do without our body you can ponder that for a moment what do you do without your body our bodies are the vehicle of our total expression. I need my body. I need it to move. I need it to work. I need it to play. I need it to think. I need it to love. I need it to sing. I need it to preach. Whatever we do, we discover that we need our body. My body is essential if there is to be any expression of my purpose, of my personality, of my will, of my emotions, my strength, or my skill. Now, we find that Jesus himself, when he came to this earth, he came in a body. He functioned through his body. He ministered through his body. And in the book of Hebrews, it tells us this, Lo, in the volume of the book it is written of me, I come to do thy will. But what did he say in the verse before that? Thou hast prepared for me a body. Lo, in the volume of the book it is written of me, I come to do thy will. In other words, Jesus took upon himself the form of man in order to accomplish redemption. And that was done through the offering up of his body on the cross of Calvary. So I want us to think about the body this morning, just the natural body. And I I brought along a book that I I thought we could just read a few uh, thoughts from here. uh, Because I don't think that the scripture uses similes for us uh, without us using the simile to teach us something. The human body, all of the glorious examples of God's intelligent design found in our universe, the creation of the human body is the most fantastic creation of all. Those who profess to believe in the theory of evolution are confronted with the greatest challenge in their philosophy when they contemplate the incredible complexity of thousands of separate but interconnected systems within the human body that are essential for its growth, its energy, its motion, its waste disposal, its reproduction, and the brain's awesome mental and computational powers. The Reader's Digest put out an article not that long ago when it talked about our human bodies It says, the most incredible creation in the universe is you. With your fantastic senses and strengths, your ingenious defense systems and mental capabilities, so great you can never use them all to the fullest. In man, a three-pound brain which, as far as we know, is the most complex and orderly arrangement of matter in the universe. The human brain consists of about 10,000 million nerve cells. Each nerve cell puts out between 10,000 and 100,000 connecting fibers by which to make contact with the other nerve cells of the brain. The hundred billion neurons of our brain are intricate, int- I find that word hard to say intricately <laughs> linked to each other in the most intricate and complex network in the, in the known universe. In less than one second, your brain can calculate the trajectory of a football thrown at 30 miles an hour towards you. Your brain instantly calculates your position, the ball's trajectory. It sends detailed electronic messages to the muscles of your arms and legs at more than 300 miles a second to move you to the position to catch the ball. I got thinking about baseball. The ball comes about 100 miles an hour sometimes. And you've got a half a second from the time that leaves the man's hand until it goes over the plate. And your brain literally has to produce literally thousands of messages in that half second to position your whole body, to tense up every muscle, get in exactly the right position, try to read the the curl on the ball, all this sort of thing. And you're trying to hit a round ball with a round bat. (laughs) it's it's amazing what the human brain does and the psalmist said I am fearfully and wonderfully made the hearing ear and the seeing eye the Lord hath made even both of them Proverbs 20 and 12 the millions of specialized cells in in your eye now listen to this can analyze more than one million messages per second. One million messages per second, and then transmit that data to the brain. A little bit about the liver. The body's 60 trillion cells through 75 miles of veins and arteries and capillaries. I should have started further back. The blood system will deliver its vital vitamins, minerals, proteins, and its red cells to the body's 60 trillion cells through 75 miles of veins and arteries. That's more than that's Three times around the earth. That's how much, how many miles <laughs> there is of veins and arteries and capillaries. In the liver, the blood is warmed up to maintain precisely required temperature throughout the body. You can travel the globe and sit down in a restaurant to consume a meal of totally unknown food that you've never eaten before and drink that you have never experienced before. Yet your liver will identify the chemical composition of this unknown material, analyze what chemical reactions and enzymes are needed to neutralize or make nutritious the materials needed for your bodies. Trillions of cells produce these essential chemicals and perform these complex functions all in less than 12 seconds. Astonishingly, the cells in the human liver are capable of performing up to 500 separate chemical reactions simultaneously. The liver can produce up to 1,000 essential chemicals called enzymes every day as required to instantly, chemically, change food, drink, medication, to remove poisons and make food nutritious. There are 65 trillion cells in the human body. These functions of the cells include energy regeneration, defense against biological invaders, intricate communication links to trillions of other cells, and simultaneously, Sophisticated communication links within and without the cell. Transportation systems to move nutritional products within and without the cell. Waste disposal systems to eliminate harmful toxins. It goes to show us how complicated the human body is. I think we should feel a little more sorry for our doctors. Trying to deal with that kind of complication, when something goes wrong with the human body, when something fails to operate properly anymore, what do you look for? What's causing the problem? These millions, these billions of cells, you only have to have a few of them break down in a certain area, it affects the whole body. How do you find the few cells that are causing the problem? Well, you do when you do find them. Now, I think the Lord uses all of those. I've just used those statistics. I want you to realize this morning that a local congregation is called in the scriptures the body of Christ. And every person in this building here this morning that makes this their church home You are a part of the body of Christ in this locale You are all you are all very important We all need to function together We all need to realize that we may not be one of the visible parts of the body that are seen or that are up here, like me, preaching up here. (laughs) But the Bible, in the passage that was read to you by our brother, points out the fact that upon those parts that are unseen and seem less important, we bestow more honor. They're very vital. They're very important. You are important this morning. You're part of the body of Christ. Amen? Can I get an amen? amen? Now, the Apostle Paul, in the passage of Scripture that I read to you, was praying very earnestly for the saints at Ephesus. And he was very, very concerned that they might have better understanding of who they are and how important they are to the body of Christ. There are large amounts of scripture that have to deal with the body of Christ. But in Ephesians 1:16 to 18, the apostle expresses a prayer that God would give the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Speaking of Christ, he's the head, remember that, of the church. He's the head of the body. He prays that the eyes of their understanding might be enlightened, that they might know, have a full assurance, a comprehension, He wanted the believers to have a revelation, an understanding, an unveiling of Jesus that they might come to know something about Jesus that for some reason or other they had not grasped. It isn't that he was praying that they would have greater understanding of the historical Jesus. It tells us in the scriptures, though we have known Christ after the flesh yet now henceforth or from this point on we know him no more it, it isn't that we need a greater revelation now we always we always need a revelation of that but that's not what paul was concerned about he was concerned that they might have a greater understanding and enlightenment a revelation of christ in his Saints in the body of believers. The physical body is the vehicle or expression for the soul and spirit of man that lives within it. If the church is Jesus' New Testament body, it therefore follows that Christ must, in a very real sense, live in his church and reveal himself through it. If the body is healthy and obedient to the head, it will fully perform the will and display the character of him who possesses it. The church is therefore to be the vehicle of the manifestation of God in the earth, the body through which he performs, in which he loves, in which he ministers, and he moves, and he speaks, and he works. The church which is his body is to be the fullness of him. That was in the passage I read to you, which is, he is the head of the, of the body, the fullness of him. Think of it. The exceeding greatness of the power of the church becoming the fullness of Christ in his New Testament body, fully possessed by and revealing the will, the purpose, and the power of Christ on the earth. I think many times we kind of think of the Lord being way off somewhere, and uh, we ask the Lord to come and be with us. <laughs> we ask the Lord to, uh, you know, we kind of come part my come part from I Can't say that word either. Come part from I won't try anymore. But anyway, <laughs> he, he, we kind of you know, expect God to be working from out here somewhere. He's working in the church. When you come to church, you're the church. The building isn't the church. The people are the church. And God works through his people. And like I said, you're very, very important. You're important to me. And if you're important to me, I'm sure you're important to God. (laughs) The expressions that come from one another. The love that is poured out from one heart to another. The smile that I see on your faces. What does a smile do for us all? It increases the face value. But you know, there's really nothing like somebody just coming and just putting their hand on your shoulder and saying a a kind word, an encouraging word, that's the body in operation. That's Christ moving through the Spirit of God through someone else. Somebody has a word of encouragement. Some has a, a word of wisdom. Somebody has a word of knowledge. I've had many occasions in my life when the Lord has revealed something through somebody else to give me a message. Why didn't he tell me? Well, you see, he works through his body many times. I'm only one member of the body. You're only one member of the body. But it takes all the members to make a body. For years, I suffered Terrible headaches. Awful headaches. Sometimes when I would get up to preach, everything was clear. I could see everybody all the way to the back of the auditorium. But by the time I was finished preaching, I could hardly see the people sitting in the front pew. I had such headaches. And so one day, at a regular prayer meeting, midweek, I asked them to pray that the Lord would cure my headaches. They prayed for me. No one was, no excitement or anything. But afterwards, one brother came to me very quietly, on our own, without causing any uh, input or interest by other people he said while we were praying the lord showed me that you should quit eating bread no i was a lover of eating bread i ate a lot of bread now believe it or not i was down to about seven things that i could eat only seven things there were about 45 things i couldn't eat because of the terrible headaches and reaction that I got from the food. He just said, stop eating bread, which I did. Today I can eat anything. Within a very short time, I was able to eat all the things that I couldn't eat before and I had no headache. That's God speaking through his body. Now, why didn't God show that to me? Why did I go through all those years and years of headache? I don't know. All I know is that when it was God's time, and when God wanted to use one of the members of the body, he gave him the revelation that that's what I needed to do. Spoke to me on the side very quietly. I've had that happen more than once in my life. And I've had it happen to me when I've given somebody a word that I got from God. Now I don't. I believe God uses his body. That's the body of Christ. The Bible talks about a word of knowledge, it's one of the gifts of the Spirit. A word of knowledge. A word which you couldn't get anywhere else, only from God. So the body is important. Now, the apostle was very interested that these people come to the full realization of not just the historical Christ, but Christ in you, Christ in his body, Christ moving through his body, God being an inspiration to people around you because you're part of the body. Christ living in his body. John chapter 4 verse 14. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him. A well of water springing up into everlasting life. A well of water. (laughs) John 14 and 20, At that day ye shall know that I am in the Father, and ye in me, and I in you. John 15 and 4, Abide in me, and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine no more can ye except ye abide in me john 17:23 i in them and thou in me that they might be made perfect in one and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me First Corinthians three sixteen, know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Now I know that can be individual, but it's collectively as well. First second Corinthians chapter four, verse seven, but we have this treasure. In earthen vessels. For what reason? That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Christ is the head. He's the power. He's the life. The life that I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We need to realize that as a body of believers, that as we, with unity of purpose, unity of mind, unity of spirit, as we worship God together, the presence of God comes into the place. And it's so wonderful when the presence of God is there. I love the presence of the Lord. 2 Corinthians 6 and 16, what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Galatians 2 and 20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Ephesians 2 and verse 22: In whom ye also are builded together for what? For an habitation of God through the Spirit. We're builded together. You see, some of these similes kind of overlap. That's the temple being built. (laughs) Builded together. I love good workmanship when it comes to building. I was very privileged on one occasion to be, have a, a personal guide take me through the uh, parliament buildings in Winnipeg. Believe me, it's incredible, the fine workmanship. Even the stonework on the outside, it is so perfect. It is so perfect, you really have to get up close and analyze it to find where the joint is. Stones taken from quarries way down in the United States, cut down there, shaped down there, polished down there, brought and put into place. They just set into place. And God has taken you and he's taken me out of the quarry as rough as we are, as we were. And he has cut us and he's shaping us and he polishes us. He uses Mr. or Mrs. Sandpaper sometimes. (laughs) to polish us a little here and there. But we're builded together for an habitation of the spirit. Oh, the psalmist said, oh, he wanted to go up to the house of God, why? I want to go to behold the beauty of the Lord. The beauty of the Lord. How do I behold the beauty of the Lord? Oh, I know I've got some direct contact with God myself. But I behold the beauty of God when I see what he's doing in your life, in my life, and the whole body. That's the beautiful work of God. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For the body is not one member, but many. Jesus told his disciples that he was going away. And they were very sorrowful. The Bible says they were very sorrowful. What would they do if Jesus left them? Who would handle a demon possessed who came screaming from the tombs? Who would heal the blind and quell the storm? Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said unto them, Your sorrow shall be turned into joy, John 16 and 20. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. And at that day ye shall know that I am in the Father, and ye in me, and I in you. There are times when God really comes on the scene, but he does it through his body. One of the last lessons that Jesus taught his disciples was an object lesson depicting the truth of Christ's many-membered New Testament body. Jesus took a loaf of bread. We call it the Lord's Supper. He took a loaf. This is an object lesson. He broke the loaf into pieces, and each one of the apostles or disciples had a piece of that loaf. The Bible says that there is one loaf. Jesus is that loaf. He broke himself into pieces. He gave to his disciples And each disciple got a portion. They got a portion of Christ. They went out, they scattered Jesus everywhere. But when they came back together, it wasn't just a member here or a member there. They were members as they went out to various places. But when they came back, when they gathered together, You have the combination of each member who had a piece of the loaf, and the loaf is once again one loaf. The whole 12 disciples constituted a loaf, and when they came together. Now, let me put it this way I can be full of the Lord and you can be full of the Lord but it's only when we all come together that we are the fullness of Christ one member is not the fullness of Christ it's the whole body that constitutes the fullness of Christ And when we have a communion service, that's the communion of the body of Christ, where we all enjoy one another's fellowship, and we recognize we've all been saved from the same source, from the same pit, and we have all been elevated and made new creatures in Christ Jesus. And it should be a tremendous time of just appreciating each other because the Lord has poured his whole life and soul and body into that this body of believers. You find this portrayed even in the Old Testament. When the people of God left Egypt, they were to kill a lamb for a house. Now, that didn't just mean me and my wife and my three kids. That was a household. Grandma, grandpa, all the immediate family. And if the family was too small that they could not consume one whole lamb, they united with some other family that would make it up so that they could partake. And they ate the whole lamb. Nothing was to be left. When they started off on their journey, the whole family went together. One whole lamb walking across the desert. God being in that family, unit, one lamb for a family. Believe it or not, this body of believers is also called in the scripture a family. Amen? A lamb for a family. We partake of Christ together. Other illustrations in the scripture, these are just flashing into my mind, I don't have them in my notes. (laughs) When there were 5,000 men, besides women and children, that had been following Jesus, they had been with him for a long time and they were hungry his heart was filled with compassion for them now five thousand men besides women and children it says probably in the neighborhood at least the fifteen thousand what did jesus do you see, there's the church universal, but there's also the local church. Jesus illustrated that it's much easier and it's much more productive to work with smaller groups than in mass. He said to the disciples, break them up into companies of 50, Or a hundred. Then give you them to eat. Don't feed the whole mass all in one shot in one great crowd, no. Break them up into fifties or a hundred. And sometimes you may feel, well, we're only a little church. You know listen folks. Never be envious of churches of 2,000 or 3,000 or 4,000. All it does is multiply your troubles. The Bible says where two or three are gathered in my name, The Bible says that one can put a thousand to flight. Another one can put a thousand to flight. If you do it individually, you've got 2,000 out of two people. But if you join your forces, two people shall put what? Ten thousand to flight. Right? That's what the Bible says. Just two people. That's being united. That's working together. That's the love of Christ being manifested through the body of believers. Now I hope I haven't preached anything here today that has upset you. It's not my intention. I hope you got something out of it today. There's much more that I could say, and I'm going to quit there.